All right, everybody, thanks for joining me for another episode of PRI Talk. Today, a fantastic special guest, uh, Stephanie Todd, not Stephanie Todd anymore, Stephanie James, <laughs> one of my former players from back in the day um, when I was coaching high school. I unfortunately coached her for three years. She will tell you how terrible that was. <laughs> um, but but uh, Steph, how's it going? Going good. Yeah full life over here kiddos working <laughs> uh, okay so so real quick so I coached you in high school for three years mm -hmm. back in the day you played in college you played mm -hmm. NAIA ball at Lee which is now a division two school in Tennessee correct all private Christian school in Tennessee um, you are now married have three kids mm -hmm. have your own business and are doing a bunch of other stuff um yeah. So let's talk about volleyball first, because everyone likes volleyball stories. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your like high school to college journey, um, mm -hmm. volleyball wise, and then maybe some of your like least favorite parts of volleyball, and maybe your favorite parts about volleyball, like while you were playing the the you know sure. the whole kind of college volleyball experience piece. Yeah. So I um, high school was really my when I jumped into volleyball in general I started playing volleyball when I was 14 I played one one kind of club year in middle school right before transitioning into, into high school and that's where I ended up meeting Jason but not as directly as his being him being my high school coach but I played club for the coach that Jason was also part of and that's where volleyball really hit me was at 15 so I started intense club volleyball at 15 at a top top club in Colorado where Jason used to be with me and it was a lot of fun I learned a lot very fast because I had played competitive tennis and soccer up until that point and volleyball was a different world I still remember when we walked into the gym Jason at Kojo's and my mom is 5'5 and I'm 5'10 with a little bit of change and my mom stood there at the door she goes oh honey I don't belong here <laughs> <laughs> And she was so teeny yeah. because we just entered into a world of all these giants. And so, uh, um, but I was addicted right away. I loved the people. I loved, I loved the intensity. I'm a, I've always been intense in sports. My parents played college. So it was, it was really easy to love it. And then, that, then I played high school. So that fall, I tried out for our high school varsity team. Jason wasn't there yet. Loved the girls. That's where I started setting. So I started out as a setter, which is always hilarious. Jason got to coach me one year as a setter. And I, I loved it, loved it. So I set for um, high school and I played um, DS libero for my club team at the time. And then Jason came in my sophomore year of high school and became our coach. And I ran a five one, almost, was it all years? No, how many, was, like two it years. Most, it was most of the year. You didn't two set, or three years? set your junior year. Yeah, I didn't set junior year. We got, oh yeah, we got Brit. Okay, praise guys. I did not set forever. Um, and then that's when I moved into outside all around. Was so much more happy there. And then um, I also got to play club. My sophomore year, junior year, I sat out after high school because I tore my ACL when I was playing for Jason. Sat out my junior year. And then senior year, I left his club and went to a different club with some of my, my club girlfriends that I had met along the way. And then that's when I got an offer was my senior year. Cause since I sat out my junior year club, I was kind of in panic. <laughs> I wasn't going to get a scholarship because that's when everything had started at that time. Sure, sure. And um, gosh, I just remember like you guys were so encouraging. I was, I thought my world fell apart, which it kind of did, but I was so thankful. Um, I got some late offers, some school still needed 
needed players. And I got offered to play outside at a private Christian school, like Jason said, at Lee. Um, and I'm from Colorado. So I went to Tennessee. I kind of knew I was always going to go away, which I think Jason and I, we had had a lot of conversations about college, but I didn't want to stay in Colorado. Um, yeah. It wouldn't have hurt me, but I just didn't want to. So I went out to Lee, loved, loved the campus. It was beautiful. Had a great freshman year. I got to play right away, which was excellent. Um, and got to stay in all the time. I don't like sitting the bench hardly at all. So that was really important to me. Most don't. Most highly competitive yeah. people don't. Yeah. It didn't work out. And I had a different offer to play. Um, I was going to kind of come and have to earn my spot at Georgetown in the back row. And because they had been needed a last minute thing and the coach had talked to me about, you know, you're gonna have to earn your spot, blah, blah, blah. You might see court time come junior year. And I was just like, Ugh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so I got to play all around at Lee and I played yeah. there for four years. And my first year, however, which I think, I think I had a conversation with you about this too, Jason, I had almost left. Um, I had called uh, my 18s club coach as well. And I just wasn't, I didn't know if I loved the small Christian school feel. Mm -hmm. And I had sat down with my college coach at the time and I was going to transfer up to Long Island with my previous club coaches for my 18s year. Oh, and because Kyle was there then. Mm -hmm, yeah. Kyle was up there. Jen was also assisting him at the time. And so my previous club owners basically became a tag team at Long Island and she said yep I have a spot for you I'd love to have you and I was basically about ready to sign all my papers and I just had a kind of aha moment with God I knew that's not where I was meant to be and I needed to stay and so I stayed at Lee I'm so thankful I did we had a great season we had um, we went to nationals every year so all four years in our last three years we finished number three in the nation which was really incredible and I loved it I would have never done it different everything I had to do, I needed to do the doubt, the worry of staying at Lee and not. It was, um, it's my favorite time. And I'm still close to all my teammates. We have a group text and we we're best friends still. Yeah. Okay. So you, you said a lot of, a lot of things that I want to hit on. I want to hit on volleyball for a little bit while we're here. You didn't start playing until you were 14 club, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. by today's terms and for sure in Texas, you would be considered late. Like you yeah. would have started playing volleyball late. Um, and I have these discussions all the time with people where I'm like, really, if you're, if you're coachable, if you're competitive and you're a good athlete, you don't need to start playing volleyball when you're 10 or 11. Um, yeah. and so that's, I, that, that's the one thing. The other part, and I think you said this, um, maybe in the beginning, you might've said it before we started recording, but, um, you played tennis also, yeah. right. You're a pretty decent tennis player, um, yeah. or, or high school. So you played multiple sports, mm -hmm. um, which, which I, I, I love and I wish more kids had the opportunity to do it I think it's interesting here like because Air Academy was at the time like the smallest 4A high school in the state by quite a bit yeah uh, like there was all there was always talk even when I was there about like them dropping down to 3A because they were just right on that cusp of like mm -hmm. the big side of 3A but for sure the smallest of 4A and I feel like so many kids at these big high schools in Texas, they don't have the opportunity to play multiple sports, which I think yeah. really hinders them athletically in a lot of ways. And it's bad for their bodies and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was like, that was the, the second thing. And then the, the third part was like, you talked about your experience at Lee and not at the beginning, maybe not necessarily being what you had expected mm -hmm. or maybe you, what you wanted, but it ended up being exactly what you needed 
yeah. as far as like life and things like that. And, and so I, I did want to ask you about this and we can, we can dive back into some other things. Like what, what was it that, that made you go, I'm, I'm missing something here at this small private NAIA school that, I mean, people out here in Texas, like they're like NAIA, like, what is that even? Oh, um, sure. Like, what, what are some things that you felt like at the time that you were missing out of your college experience that when you look like back at it now, you're like, that was kind of ridiculous for me to think about that. Yeah. Well, I think it's always the, it happens. The thoughts that I had in college, I still have in the idea of like, you're missing out on something. You're not living life the way that you should compared to others. FOMO, and I, FOMO. That's a thing, right? Oh, oh and it's so immature. And I, I had it and I had it to an extreme level in college where my girlfriends, like, I mean, Jason, I'm sure people know your, your credibility here, but like you produce top athletes, like the clubs that I was part of produced D one players. And so all the girls that I knew and played ball with all went to top programs or even mid-level D one or top D two programs. And so it was, it was definitely something where once I got into my season, like we were doing really well, like I was I was getting to play. I was having a great time. But then at the end of the season, I would look around. I'm like, oh man, my girls, my girlfriends were doing this and this, this, this. And it just came an insecurity of what am I missing? And then that private Christian school aspect was about the whole partying, all this stuff, which is weird that I missed, that I thought I was missing something because I was never a partier. I never drank. (laughs) I never drank, especially to the point where I thought that I needed to transfer somewhere else because everybody else was doing that. I didn't think that's what I wanted. I think the idea of like the, the bigger the bigger everything sounded more appealing at the time. And it was, it was really good that my college coach kind of called me out on it because specifically as with one of my best friends who you also coached and I was seeing her live a different D one life and sorority and all these things and blah, 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 blah. And my coach had said, well, Stephanie, is that what you're called for? Like, why? Like, why is that what you want? And I just remember being so dumbfounded sitting on this bench with her on our soccer field. And I was just sobbing because I, I didn't, I was at a crossroads. Like this was a huge decision for me. And, and it was just, it all came from outside influence, not what I truly actually wanted. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very, very fascinating night. Um, really emotional. My poor coaches ended up pulling and saying, I, I'm not going to leave. Like I'm staying here and blah, like all the things. Um, but it was definitely just total insecurity of what I think I should have been doing in my experience and comparing my experience with other girlfriends. And it was just rooted in stupidity. And to your, to your point about comparing to someone else, the person we're talking about, she didn't play until her senior year. Really? Uh, For sure. Her senior year, she played. I remember. Um, But yeah, but that was that, I mean, that looks, that looks a lot different for sure. Um, Oh yeah. And responsibility level. I mean, she didn't have to show up the same in practice as I did. I was, I was captain at sophomore. I was staying on all the time. Like I had a high, high level of intensity on me, which has made volleyball way more of a focus where she could just kind of live (laughs) or go and do things. And that's why she was able to join us already where I had to go up early. I had to show up early and be late, be the last one out of the gym because I was captain. So there was things like that, where it was like, it was, it was more than a full-time job for me in the best way. But when I had other people not doing what I was doing, I was like, I feel like I'm working way harder than everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it it, it always looks different. And and I think like I've, I've talked to several parents too that have kids playing at top, 10 division one schools like these are the Mm -hmm. the best programs in the country and these are parents looking back on it and going you know what we would probably do it different 
knowing what we know now and knowing what the expectations are and knowing what the, the, the time and energy commitment and what, what it looks like to be the best, we would probably go, eh, let's maybe go down this way a little bit more. Like, I, I think the, the, the brand is always something that attracts people. Um, but, but I think when you're competitive and you have that drive, like I remember you had, like it's, it's, it, it looks different for everybody. And, and I think that's, that's an important point and something that I've been trying to communicate. Like everyone's experience is going to be different. Um, and, and what you're, what you what you think you're missing and lacking, um, from playing at a school, like, uh, like a, a big 12 school or an SEC school, what you think you're missing playing there, you're actually gaining in a lot of the stuff that you don't have to do or deal with. Um, yeah. I mean, even, even coaching at a, at a, not great mid-major division one school like the time commitment is is crazy Mm -hmm. Um, and and because you're trying to you know for us at that point we were 12th out of 13 schools in the conference trying to work our way up and it's like you don't you don't do that by doing less you know what I mean like you have to it's it's a huge huge commitment um so yeah what what about um okay so now family tell me about family um you have a a husband who's extremely good looking i will throw that out (laughs) um married have uh have three uh fantastic children Mm. um what what's what's that experience kind of post and then we'll get into the business stuff a little bit like what's what's that experience been post volleyball post college all that yeah so i have uh four and a half year old, a two and a half year old and a 13 month old. So we had our kids in less than two years in between, which Jason well knows uh, the same. And we also want to adopt possibly one to two more. And uh, I think what, oh, post and now life is being a mom. I think there's some things that being in sports or being competitive as a parent, you can't help but do. <laughs> like this. There's things like the way I talk to my kids, like I even say, hey, we're a team. Like even the terminology I'm using is creating camaraderie in my household. And it's been really fun to now, now that I'm mature enough to look back instead of survive and like my first two kids, now with number three, I'm trying to really make sure like we were doing things together. Like we are doing things to help each other. Like we are not here to compete within our household (laughs) because my daughter sure likes to do that. We talk about that, like, I mean, cause our, our kids are competitive, just like I'm sure with your, with your, I'm sure your kids are competitive too. We have to constantly remind them, like, we're on the same team. Like we're a family. We don't compete against each other. You know, like, yeah. so, oh, sorry, keep going. No, it's like, it's, it's it. Like, it's just, I've, I've noticed so much about how I parent comes down for how I was treated as a player or as in my own family's household. Like it all is very very wonderful to see how so much of it also helps correlate. Like, I feel like I'm much more equipped, to be honest, as a parent being an athlete, which sounds so cheesy, but you can tie athletics into every aspect of your life, every aspect, especially high, high competition athletics, like what people do at the college level for volleyball. And I can see a difference between um, our friends group. Like, so my husband also played college, he played basketball, and we have we're very intentional about our friend group. We have a lot of social life. We have friends over all the time. I just want to chat nice passions, but a lot of them didn't play sports in college. So like half did, half didn't. 
And yeah. it's a very interesting thing to watch when we gather all of our families, the way that those who were athletes and how their kids act and behave and how they talk as a family versus those who were not. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but yeah. I definitely, definitely feel like there's an efficiency difference <laughs> <laughs> because I just don't take crap from my kids. You know, like if they're doing something wrong, like immediate response, like it's just, that's just the way it is. There is no, I will cuddle and love on my children, but I don't coddle them. Yeah. And so it's been really, and all my kids are different personalities and there's certain things I have to tweak a little bit between each kid, just like a coach needs to push a different player, do things like I'm doing the same thing to children, like to toddlers. And it's still incredibly relative. And I, I love that I have something to pull from. Like I have things to relate to. I have people that I can reflect back on, like, okay, this person was hypersensitive. What did my favorite coach do with one of those people? Or what did my mom do with my younger sister since she's way more, way more sensitive yeah. than my myself and my older sister? But I I love it. Like, and I love talking about my kids about confidence, about how you speak to adults. Like all these things happen when you have authority figures in your life where a lot of kids don't have that many unless you choose to, whether it's different babysitters or you put them into a sports and activities. Like kids have to learn respect because it's demanded upon them. You can't just scenario play in your household about it. And yeah. I see, I see the difference even in that in my children, like they don't play sports yet, but they have different people watch them of different age groups of different personalities. And they have to learn respect in those different scenarios because that's the way the world functions. Yeah. Like I refuse to raise lazy children. Same, same. Um, wow. well, Presley's doing Taekwondo though. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. like that's yeah. that, that for us, like corn started out in Taekwondo when he turned four um actually three and a half they had a little kids kind of group that he could go which was great mm -hmm. um and now he's in this like year long so he's six he started when he was three and a half he got his yellow belt at four um so he's been doing it for two years he's on this like i don't know six eight month track where he's doing so like now he's going back he's a, a black red whatever it doesn't each yeah, he's going yeah. up. <laughs> but he's but he's now like he's teaching. So like mm -hmm. as a six year old, oh, wow, like he's in there teaching, and he's still trying to like, you know, talk and be more verbal and stuff like that. He's getting help while he's in there because he is only six. But he's teaching kids and taking them through their form, kids that are twice his age. You know, yeah. Um, but he but he knows it, and that's what he's in there to do. So he's on this training to like become a black belt, and so he has to do so many. Gosh, service hours and all that kind of stuff um but yeah like one one of the things that I know I told my kids all the time they would say dad I can't do it I'm like you don't tell me that you can't do something like mm -hmm. you need help like that's fine but you can't you don't tell me that you can't do something because you can do it right and that's I stuff I say to my kids all the time it does I like the coach the coach in me I'm sure you can imagine comes out probably oh for or, sure for as better, it should though for better or worse sometimes but most of the time it's for good though. Like you think about this, like, and even the idea, and this is why I'd also chosen to put Presley in karate is because she needs to not only know how to articulate her things, like she has to rehearse things. She has to speak to adults. She has to say, yes, ma'am, no, sir. She has to bow in and bow out. She has to sit and sit still and meditate. You know, like she has to do these things that a four-year-old normally doesn't do, but there's also a piece. And just like you're saying, the kids who are teaching my daughter, there's a gal who's in college who does it. Then the master Scott will come in and teach the second half. But there's also helpers that are like 10, 13. Some of them are eight years old if they have a sibling in the class. Yeah. And I love visualizing what that's going to be for 
Presley, when she's older, whichever child continues is like, that's hard. Like for your son to be able to teach kids bigger than, you know, how much self-confidence that has to take. Yeah. And like inserting your kids into those circumstances is the best thing we can do as parents. It doesn't always have to be paid in our circumstance, karate and Taekwondo, we have to pay for, but oh my gosh, are we going to reap the benefits? Like we see it though. And I sit there, I remember sitting in my first class of taking her, Jason, I was sitting there and I was like, high five Steph. Like this is a win because they were making her recite things. She had to speak up in front of everybody all alone as a little three and a half year old. She started early like corn did. And I was like, this is exactly it. And if they don't do well, if they have a red light and a a yellow light and a red light. So at this age, if Presley doesn't do well, she has to come sit and watch the rest of class next to me because she wasn't awake. She hasn't done that yet. Praise. But it's like these things where it's like, no, good behavior gets fed more, bad behavior gets stopped and changed. Yeah. And it's awesome to watch. And I'm like, this is exactly what I want my kid to be doing. <laughs> I, and I always think it's good too to have other people pouring into your kids. Mm-hmm. And if they have other examples to look up to, I think that, that makes a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What? I, so I wanted to ask you this, uh, and this is sort of off topic, but like, because Sarah and I have these conversations all the time. What do you, you and Chad both, like, what do you guys see in your kids that you just kind of like, I don't know if you roll your eyes or if you look at the other one and be like, that's, that's you. Like, oh, yeah. And, and, and Presley in particular, because she's your only girl mm-hmm. um, right now. Like, I... I mean, I coached you for like, what, three, four years, basically, because we did club two. Yeah. So I picture you at that age, and I picture you sort of probably being a pain in butt to your mom. Maybe not to the extent that you <laughs> Presley as, right? But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just, like, just knowing like kids and personalities and seeing that in my kids, like, I, I know, like, Nora does stuff and, and says stuff to her mom that I'm just like, that's yeah, that's you, like that, you know what I mean, and Corin, like, Corin is literally me, so he's six, he is me, but at 15, like, he, wow, so he's mature, he is, like, super sarcastic, he mm-hmm. mouths off back to me, and I can't even be mad at him, because I'm like, yeah, I would have said that to me, too, yeah. you know what I mean, like, that's, like, too shaken, yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, okay, good one, yeah, I'll, I'll take it, yeah, um, but he's six, so, like, what, how, how do you guys, I don't, I don't, how do you guys handle that? Like, what are, what are the things that you see in your kids that you're like, ugh, can't believe that that's me. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh yeah. And it is Presley. Presley is my mini me, which is my first Josiah. My second, we think is Chad. Um, we have a little skewed version of what we know Chad to be, but he's basically only a child because he had a huge gap between his brother and sister. Uh, so I think his mom is kind of like, I don't know what's the word forgets everything that he did wrong because he was the littlest in her last kind of a thing yeah so but there yeah exactly <laughs> perfect still does um and so Chad and I always joke like when he like the other day we were going on a walk and Presley did this thing with these ants and he, he literally looked at me and goes that was Stephanie and he'll he'll call it out right away and he'll just look at me and it makes him smile makes me giggle yeah. but then there's things like it's fun, I think, for Chad to do with her, but when it's you fighting you, like I'm oh, sure yeah. you feel like with your third, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to rip out all of my hair and gouge my eyes out and then I'll feel better. And so <laughs> parenting Presley is um, is definitely hard. She makes me a good parent because of it, 
because I can't just like how we want to laugh, right? Like how you want to laugh. Like I sometimes do and I turn my head and then I'm like, okay, now I got to adjust this because she's my kind of kid where if I don't parent her well, she will not turn into good. You know, like if she, if I let her have free reign of the attitude and the things that she has, she will step over people. And so there's, there's a very much intentionality between Chad and I tackling her and her personality that we use from lots of different methods. I mean, we've tried everything and a lot of it had to come from our past experiences of people who were like that or coaching or kids or who I babysat or other friends who are ahead of us with kids ages. Like you, you have to ask for help. but she needs more authority. Again, that's why she was in karate. We put her in dance and it was a joke. She walked through those people. She owned that class. I was like, okay. I could see that though. Yeah. I was, I I was just like, we need to get you into structure any kind. She went to daycare, but you definitely, yeah. As a parent, you (laughs) watching yourself can be hard. Also hilarious, but a lot of times like you have to really, you have to respond almost better. Yeah. You, you have to be not you in a lot of ways. Like you have to be more mature than you. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I think it's funny. Like we, um, there, there's been lots of times. And like I said, corn is the worst. Nora is a lot like Sarah. There's definitely me in there. Corn is mm-hmm. so much like me. Keegan is different. He's his own kind of, Keegan's his own person. And then Finn is just, we don't really know what Finn's going to be like. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still kind of intrigued at how he's going to turn out. That's why I get so fun when you have multiple though. It's like, you're just like, what are you, what are you going to be like? Here we go. Yeah. We have, we have no idea. Um, okay. So tell me, tell me about business stuff. Um, how, like, tell me about what you're doing and then Mm -hmm. kind of, um, you know, what have you learned going through? What did you learn in college? Maybe it applies to volleyball, but like, what did you learn going through all that life process? that helped you business be the, the, the Mary Kay stud that you are. Yeah. Yes. I'm, um, what's called a Mary Kay sales director now. So I basically lead a team of women who run their own businesses. So I'm, um, I'm working also on building basically leaders of leaders. So that's my goal. And this is what's, this is almost perfect for your nice conversation because almost all of my athletic past completely plays into my job, which is why I think I have so much joy in it. And, um, because it, it's a lot about developing people. It's a lot about coaching people. It's a lot about meeting where people where they are, helping them get what they want. Um, but a lot of it's also fun competition because in, in what I do, you can't, you don't cancel people out because you do better. You just, you earn more money, you keep going and they can catch up, you know, or they can supersede you or whatever. So the scoreboard still exists, but yet you're still beating yourself most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's become, it's become a lot of fun. I never thought it'd be the industry that I'm in. My mom, as you know, has been in Mary Kay for 35 years and I told her never talk to me. so there was there was a lot of resistance there and um but I think what I noticed very quickly when I was in the corporate world my first job I loved what I was doing because I was in recruiting I was helping I was a supporting a platform that helped girls get to college through volleyball and I loved that I just didn't have a life I was at a startup it was me and this other gal ran our branch and I was going to every qualifier I was going to every tournament I was working weekends I was homely I was it was just a it was too much for me being married young and wanting to also have a life sure. um and so I lasted about two years and my second job was normal corporate setting it was supposed to be eight to five and turned to like seven to six and it was just negative like I liked the structure and so after that job 
I remember calling my mom and being like, I just don't love this. Like, there's no place for me to compete in a healthy way. There's nothing for me to really look forward to. Like the mundane wasn't for me. Um, and so that's why I kind of fell where I fell. And I think a lot of it came from my athletics is that the harder I worked, the better I did, the more playtime I got, the better statistics you can get. Like, it's a very, you know, you feed the person who's competitive, obviously, if you're doing well in top sports, but like, then what in the workplace? And so there's very few jobs, I think that can really, not few jobs, maybe a few fields, I should say, that can really feed, I think, a very competitive person, or you have to change how you get competitive. Like, where do you find the competitiveness in your, in what you're doing, whether it's, you know, the money you earn or the impact you have or beating out people in your company, whatever that is. Like I had to figure that out. And when I was 25, that's when Mary Kay came into my life and I saw my mom. She's also super competitive. She is, I just got into Enneagrams, not really, because I kind of also think they're all weird, but I'm number a three, which my mom is, and we're very competitive. And all we do is compete. <laughs> so this is really well suited for me because I don't have a glass ceiling. I don't have people that I have to try to beat to do well. I can just keep doing well. And so I've loved that. I've loved it. I loved, I loved it. I also need people interaction. I'm an introvert, which people never believe. Um, I say I'm an introverted or extroverted introvert. (laughs) And so it feeds a part of me where I, I need teammates. I need people around me. I need to rub shoulders. I love bouncing off ideas. I know I'm not the smartest person in the room. And at my last job, I saw the same people every day, every day. And that got hard. And you don't network like you do if you're in something like some sort of entrepreneurship. And so there was a huge piece that I didn't know I loved, but I think it's because sports always made me meet people. Even though I don't love being out and about all the time, <laughs> it's what I became used to. Yeah. So putting me into a cubicle didn't really rock my world. Sure. So I was like, no, and I, like, I know the difference between like my, my coaching friends always ask like, Jason, you get back into college coaching. And I'm like, no, like there's, there's just no way the, yeah. the, 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 I loved coaching. Um, and I think this is a, another podcast for another day, but like what I, what I found was the, the, in a lot of ways, the joy that you get out of coaching and why coaches coach slowly goes away. I, I think the further you, not the further you go up necessarily, but the longer you are in it and, mm. and the more that, the, the only thing that matters is your win-loss record. Um, yeah. The joy of coaching and what you do and developing athletes and developing people. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Dabo Sweeney fan um, for, for a bunch of different reasons, but he says, you know, like you can coach the X's and O's, but you're not coaching men to be men or, or better yeah. men or, or fathers and husbands and stuff like that. If you're not teaching them how to do that, then you're not really winning or not doing what you're supposed to do. And I agree. And that's super easy for him to say, cause he's won national championships and stuff like that but like, for the division two, for the division two football coach, that's just trying to keep his job. Like that doesn't, that doesn't mm-hmm. always match up. And, and so we, we get into coaching um, uh, because we, we want to impact people. We want to impact lives. We want to work super competitive. You coach for a little bit after or while you were in college, right? You did some. Yep. Yep. So, um, so we do it because we're those type of people, but then once like there just, there t- tends to be a barrier at some point, like w- once you cross this line, like the stuff that you're doing doesn't necessarily matter as much, or it doesn't matter at all. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, like, uh, 
I'd, I'd be curious to your thoughts on this. Like the the couple interviews that Karch had, uh, like Rhett Karch Karai had mm-hmm. right before, or the, the going into the gold medal match um, where he started getting like tearing up and they asked him what he wants from this group. And he's like, I want them to get the feeling that they have standing on the podium, right? And, and winning gold. Like, that's what I want for this mm-hmm. group. And I was like, yes. And like, and everyone was commenting, like, what a great coach, like Karch is, like he really cares about his players. And I was like, yeah, this, like, this is literally every single coach. I'm not trying to say Karch is bad in any way, but I'm like, if you, if you really get to know coaches and why they do what they do, like this is every single coach in the country yeah that that's worth their salt as a coach you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. and and at some point like that that stops um and I think that that's really hard for for a lot of coaches and like and like for me like the 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 joy of coaching and 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 developing athletes and players like the 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 squashness of of people above you not supporting what you're doing outside of that win-loss category becomes really really hard and in this job, like what you're talking about with what you're doing now with Mary Kay, like I, I have the, the influence and the ability to help athletes get to where they want to go and mm-hmm. have success in that. Like one of my kids committed a couple of days ago and sent me a text and like, I get excited. Like I'm, I'm excited for them because they're going to be happy and they're going to a school that's a good fit. And, and like those, um, rewards for me like maybe you can metric those right but those those awards that like real coaches get those intrinsic rewards of why people coach mm-hmm. um, like that's that's the it's the same thing like there you can't measure um like parents ask me all the time like how many girls have you helped get like division one scholarships and I'm like I don't know like I would actually have mm-hmm. to go back and look and and like actually go through my list and and count because that's that's not necessarily why I do. Yeah. You're like, that's just actually doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, obviously it's great for them, but like, um, you know, my, my goals are, are, are to help people on this side. I'm not trying to like put, you know, brand logos on my jacket and see, look, look who I got to go here. Like, that's not, that's mm-hmm. not part of it. And so there's, so like in, in this job, what I'm doing now, unlike, um, when I was when I was coaching college at the Division One level, like there's room to grow, and there's there's people that that see what you're doing and appreciate it, and I think that makes a huge difference. So oh, yeah, well yeah, that's always the plague of coaches is the whole win loss versus developing great people. Yeah, and they can go hand in hand. They don't always, but the one that you you know don't want to write on your gravestone <laughs> is your win loss record. Instead, how yeah, do people exactly. do impact? Yeah. You know, and that's something that. That's actually a huge part of why I almost left Jason is my coach was extremely intense. And guys, when I say that, it means like <laughs> still to this day, I've never met anybody harder than her. And I mean, to the point where we didn't have cell phones for two, two weeks of preseason, we didn't get them on the bus, no headphones on campus anywhere, no ha- headphones on airplanes, no music on airplane, like nothing. Like you had to sit in the first, the first or second row of every single class all four years. We had to live on campus all four years. We had to wear no spandex on campus all four years like the things that she did was and that's just that's a, yeah small part and I hated it I was like woman you are not allowed to tell me that I can and cannot do these things there's nothing to do with volleyball and then looking back like when we graduated my class were seven of us and we all played it was the coolest class I think I've ever seen ever in college it was so fun mm-hmm. but well dramatic my version of college but <laughs> we we all 
basically sobbed leaving because as once we got more mature, as we went, everything she was doing as a coach was perfecting us as women, where we would actually talk to people on airplanes. We would have conversations with adults. Our professors knew our faces and knew our names. So when things came up or things were hard, they were much willing to negotiate with us because we were at every single class. We were in the first or second row. We also were able to talk to people, to be communicative because we weren't allowed to have headphones in everywhere we went. That was an absolute no-no. We actually had great quality time with our teammates and we had inc incredible chemistry. Our team was not, we should not have finished number three those last three years, really. But yeah. we, nobody could beat our chemistry because we hung out on buses. We made memories. Every time we were together, it was always about each other. And we had this bond that was just stupid, perfect. Like we couldn't, nobody, it was never replicated after that. But it was, it was because of the way that she was like, you guys got to hone in here. Like you, <laughs> the collect, the connectivity, you can't just wish for, like yeah. you have to intentionally create it. And that, that freaked me out my freshman year. I was like, you are my coach. You are not my mother. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was suffocating. It was suffocating. And now I think about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman knew everything. She knew all of it. She was on to something here. And she'd ask us about our personal lives in our, in our player meetings. I remember being like, no, like, I don't have to tell you if I'm dating somebody. We go, why? Well, this is weird. Or, but it was because she actually truly knew, like, she was also incredibly intuitive because she was caring. Yeah. She cared. And if we had a bad game, it probably just wasn't because we had a bad game, you know, like there. So it was really, really interesting to watch her do that. And now I think about like my kids, like how I'm going to make them look at people, how they're not going to be able to listen to headphones on the airplane after they're six years old, maybe, <laughs> but just like, and we don't pull out phones at the restaurant because I want my kids to look at the server and order even at two and a half, my son will tell them what they want. That's like there's things like that, that it's like, you're either feeding somebody awful or feeding somebody great. Like yeah. it's, and it's an easy decision. Yeah. No, we went, we did this family camp a couple weeks ago and like, it's a, it's a dining cafeteria style. You got to go through and order mm -hmm. your food. And like, we're there with our kids. And we said, you need to tell the person whether or not you want eggs, whether or not you want bacon or you want sausage. Like you have to use mm -hmm. your words and you have to explain, like, if we're not, I'm not telling the kids, I'm not holding your hand all the time. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. do it. I'm just not that type of person. Like there's are people who will do that, I guess. Yeah. I, and it's just, it's just not me. Like I, you have to grow up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yes. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to, um, like you played for a coach that put restrictions on you that, that felt like, felt like they were very, um, I can't think of the word you probably come up with a word, but it was, but really it was just the opposite. Overbearing. Yeah. Over, <laughs> overbearing um too many rules mm -hmm. um it was it was constricting maybe re like restrictive yeah. right but really what it did was it it freed you to like have conversations to grow mm -hmm. to to grow in relationship and 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 stuff like that um and that and that is definitely needed i mean it's definitely stuff that we have to continue mm -hmm. to do and do with our kids now right like i mean we have we have uh, Keegan and Eleanor, my 10 and eight year old, like they have friends that have cell phones. Mm -hmm. It's super hard to pull them away from the screen, but we just, you know, have to, have to continue to try. Yeah. Amen. Well, well, Hey, thanks for, thanks for being on. This was yeah. this good. I feel Absolutely. like you and I could talk for like hours more. I know. We, we well, it's, I think it's just one of those things. 
um, especially where you're sitting. I just, I love, I love that you are getting players to where they're meant to be. And, oh, it's such a, it's consistent in every phase of life. I've always wanted to chase the Joneses if you're not careful, you know, and the D1 scholarship or the whatever. And it's, it's always really interesting when you look back on your sports career, like what parts of it would you do again? And I think about mine, like I would do it all again. Like even my girlfriends in college, like I was done after four years of college. I was like, I will never go back to college. I didn't want a master's. I didn't want none of that. I was like, no, yeah, (laughs) wasn't my favorite. But if I could play again, I'd do it. Like if that meant I would get a doctorate, I could play, I'd do it. Like I would figure it out because I would want to play that badly. Like I loved my college experience so much and what sports brought to me in all of my different teams, all of my different sports I did. It was all a massive benefit. Like I don't really see how sports can be negative, but also following what, where your heart is actually tugged and not what the scoreboard or your club director or your family or whatever things like my dad was not excited when I was probably going to sign with Lee in the beginning. He wanted me to go to Colorado mines. Like he, he wanted me to do certain things. And my mom's like, go wherever you want, honey. And then my head, I'm like D one. And so it's, it's so interesting how at every phase we're always balancing what everybody else thinks and what we should be doing. And it always plays out. If you follow what you're supposed to do, like yeah. you will see the benefits of it for decades. Like I, I loved it. I'm so glad I never left. I'm so glad I never left my freshman year after. I'm so glad I played high school, high school ball and then played club. Like I, I loved it. Like I don't, sports are awesome. Like whether you're good or not, sports are great to be in. Like, that's the thing I'm also reminding myself as my kids get old enough to do sports. Like, I don't care if they're the best. I want them to literally try the hardest and be extremely respectful through all of it because everything else that they're learning in the, in the midst of it is why I'm putting them in sports. That's, that's it. Like the, the person I am, even like the way I can communicate with adults is because I was talking to scary people who were coaches, who were directors or like when people would call you in, like when Bill and Judy would have player meetings, I had to sit there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm sweating out my shirt. Yeah. Like there, but you had to, yeah. it puts you in situations where it's the flight or flight and it makes you get good at staying and fighting. Yeah. No. And I like, I know for like Keegan plays lacrosse and Corn both play lacrosse, and and their their team Sport. is not great. Ke- Keegan's team is not great. Corn's team is actually pretty good for his mm-hmm. age group. Um, Keegan's team is not not great, and there's a bunch of reasons for that. But like the the apparently, I I voiced some concerns verbally that I got around to the directors of the club. And they're like, you know, like, you know, Jason, like we're we're doing this so that if like if Keegan wants to play on this team and like blah blah blah, and I'm like, look, I don't I don't care if they lose twenty five to zero. Like, I just, I don't, that is not a worry for me. Here are the things that I'm wanting out of this experience for him. Cause is he going to go freaking play lacrosse at like Dartmouth or Cornell or Columbia? Like probably not, most likely not. Um, if he does great or some, you know, small division three school, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is he going to do those things? Probably not. But like the life lessons that I want him to get out of this, like those are what's, what's important to me. And that's what I want to see like the, the program trying to instill in, in the mm-hmm. kids. So mm-hmm. yeah, a lot to it. So well, I'm in your corner. I love what you're doing. Well, I appreciate it. So, you're well, Hey, thanks for being on. This was awesome. And uh, we should do it again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to catch up, especially with important people. Like, again, you're one of the people mentor you in sports always like, you know, you and I have always been close because of it. And it's because like you were in a very moldable stage in my life. 
-hmm. Like that's why you pick great coaches. Like why you're with coaches with good hearts because they spend a lot of time together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I appreciate you too. Thanks Steph, appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you would like more tips, updates, or recruiting assistance, go to my website, privolleyball.com, check out my blog, or reach out to me directly if you have any other questions. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Recruiting Initiative. If you need specific recruiting help, I have a couple different ways I can help you. Please reach out to me on my website or social media. Thanks for listening.